Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. And so John chapter 6, I'm going to start at verse 16. I am going to read this out of the New Living Translation. I know many of you may have the King James, the New King James, the NIV, the Good News Translation, the God's Word Translation, uh, or some other, you know, Amplified. Maybe you have the message. I don't know what translation you might have, but I assure you of this, we will get to the same place together. Amen, because it is God's Word. But I just felt to read this out of the New Living Translation this morning. And the Bible says that evening... Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. A familiar story to most of you. But as darkness fell and Jesus hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. How many know the sea grew rough? Come on. They had rowed three or four miles when they suddenly, somebody say suddenly, when they suddenly, they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. The King James says, it is I. This says, don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. Immediately. Somebody say immediately. Immediately they arrived at their destination. I know it's been in my heart, just like many of you, uh, especially those who, who love the Lord and follow uh, the Lord Jesus, uh, to just pray. Amen. To seek God, seek his face and pray uh, in these times right now when things are going on in the world. And, you know, the enemy throws so many things at us and the world throws so many things at us. And uh, it's just a time to pray. And uh, this story, uh, a familiar story, Jesus walking on the water, um, it, it hit me this week. It came to me this week because I began to think about the disciples and all that they were going through in this short, compact amount of time. You know, anytime Jesus does a miracle, it really accomplishes two things, at least two things. We know that number one, uh, it helps the person that he's healing or he's performing the sign for. Uh, he, he comes to bring help, to restore, to heal, to deliver, whatever it may be. So it accomplishes that purpose. But number two, it also shows that he's not any regular Joe. Come on, there's something different about him. There's something in him. Uh, I mean, this is the Son of God. Come on, somebody. This is, this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. He's showing everyone that this is not just some regular Joe who has come up on you. Uh, and so he accomplishes that. And I think that for us, one of the things that we have to realize as we walk this faith journey is that uh, talk sometimes is cheap. <laughs> it's not always cheap. I mean, there is something to be said for our confession. Amen. But what did James say? Faith without what? Come on, somebody. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. 
Can I just tell you this morning that anybody can worship Jesus on sunny days? Anybody can give the Lord praise when the weather's nice outside. Uh, many of us can talk about his wonders and how great he is when things are going well, when our marriage is, is, is tight and, and when our bank account is, is okay. And, and when our relationships are good and, and when there's no virus pandemic, uh, it's easy to talk about how great God is. Oh, but when there is a storm, uh, when the clouds come over and darkness falls and there's a storm, come on, that's when your faith is tested. And for these disciples, the thing about it is it's not like that they weren't in God's will. Jesus told them to get onto the boat and go to the other side. So they weren't like Jonah where they were running from God. Come on. It wasn't like they had turned their back on God. They weren't like Peter when he denied Jesus three times. It wasn't like they were King Saul when God told him to do one thing and he did a little something different. Come on. No, they were doing exactly what the Lord told them to do. Yet they find themselves in this storm. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about overcoming worry, anxiety, and fear. Overcoming worry, anxiety, and fear. I didn't say worry, anxiety, and fear won't come. But we overcome. Come on, somebody. I didn't say it won't come, but we overcome. When it comes. <laughs> God has called us to be overcomers. In fact, in fact, if you read your Bible in the book of Revelation, the Bible talks about how the overcomer will be in the throne room with Jesus. And so God has called you to overcome. He's called you to be an overcomer. Think it not strange when you fall into divers temptations and when things come against you and the enemy throws something against you and when something breaks out in the world. Don't think it's strange. Think it an opportunity to overcome. Think of it as an opportunity to overcome. Life has many lessons. God puts lessons in life. And many of those lessons come suddenly. Suddenly. You see, these disciples, when they, when they hopped into the boat, everything was fine. I imagine the weather was good. They didn't ask Jesus, are you sure you want us to do that? Because the weather's, uh, it looks, you know, I saw the weather report. And it looks like it may snow. It looks like it might rain, so I think we might want to wait till tomorrow. They didn't say any of that. I mean, the weather was beautiful when they got into the boat. Then it turned night, and they were just cruising along on a peaceful lake. I, 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 I hear the water, fish jumping up and down, the breeze. It's just a nice night. Then all of a sudden, a storm came. How many have been walking through life and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, a storm came? Suddenly, a storm came. And the other thing that I noticed about this story is that Jesus told them to get into the boat, go to the other side. The storm came, they weren't expecting it, and Jesus wasn't with them. Or was he? Jesus stayed on the other side. He wasn't with them. You ever been in a storm and you felt like God is not with you? Where is God? Where is God in the midst of all of this? 
I hear people say it all the time. If there was a God, why would he allow war? If there was a God, why does this happen? If there was a God, why does that happen? God said, come to me, all ye uh, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, come to me. My question back to that is, uh, if you have faith, why is all this happening? Why would God let it happen? Why would you let it happen? What are you speaking? What are you saying? What, do your, what are your actions saying over your life? Why does God let it happen? Why do we let it happen? Come on, church. If my people, which are called by my name, are you called by his name this morning, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear it from heaven, from heaven, and I will heal their land. I'll heal their land. Here they are at night, dark. All of a sudden, this storm comes. Jesus apparently wasn't with him. And all of a sudden, they begin to panic. And then another suddenly. Suddenly, Jesus came walking on the water. Suddenly. Suddenly. I didn't know you were here. Suddenly, Jesus comes walking on the water. How many know that when you're in the fire, gee, if you'll begin to rejoice. This is what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. He said, rejoice in the Lord how often? Always. And then for emphasis, he said, again, I say, rejoice. If in the midst of your storm, in the midst of the fire, if you'll begin to rejoice, God is there rejoicing with you. But I want to tell you this. Why is God not with me? Well, God doesn't take part in lamenting. If they're there lamenting and complaining, that's not his deal. I'm not part of this scene. You ever been part of a scene? I have. Gone over a friend's house. They have a little get-together, a little party, something like that. And all of a sudden, something happens. Maybe they start drinking, telling dirty jokes, whatever it is. I'm, I'm out. This is not my scene. Jesus. Jesus saying, listen, this is not my scene. When you start rejoicing, I'll be in the midst. I'll be in the midst. When you start rejoicing, when you start rejoicing, here's what we need to understand this morning. God didn't save you to drown you in the middle of the lake. And, and often we find ourselves, they're just like us. We find ourselves in this position because it, the Bible said that they were three or four miles into the lake. Now, this lake is not a very big lake. It's maybe seven miles across, okay? And so what happens is they, they, it's not like they just started and they're only 10% of the way. Storm comes, you just turn back. It's not like they're almost there to the end. Storm comes, you just keep on going and get to the end real quick. No, they're right in the middle. You ever found yourself right in the middle? Right in the middle and a storm comes. Which way do I go? Do I go forward? Do I go back? What decision do I make? What decision do I make? They're right there in the middle of the storm. But God didn't save you to drown you in the middle of the storm. In fact, notice this. Here's another thing that hit me. Is they're, they're out there in the storm. They're, this water, the Bible talks about the water being contrary. It's, it's splashing up against their boat. The wind is contrary. It's storming. It's thundering. It's raining. And all of this water is probably coming up into the boat. And they're fearful. They're afraid. They, they may feel like this is going to drown us. This is going to kill us. This water that's coming into our boat and causing our boat to flood, this water is going to kill us. 
Jesus, watch this now. Look at me, watch this. Jesus comes to them on the very thing that they thought would kill them. On the very thing that's troubling you, Jesus will come to you. You think no one else cares? Jesus cares. You think no one else is noticing? Jesus notices. On the very thing that you think is going to take you down is the very way that Jesus comes to you. He came to them walking on the water. He didn't, he didn't say, peace be still first, and then come to them on smooth water. Come on. He wasn't on magic water. He wasn't on trick water. He wasn't on, no, he was on the water that was contrary. That's the water. He was on the unstable water. That's, who, that's the water that he came walking to them on, on the unstable water. He was in the midst of the storm. This is the Almighty God in flesh we're talking about this morning. But he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's filled with the Spirit. And so he comes to them on the storm. He comes to them in the midst of the storm and on the water. And he says, listen, I am here. I know the King James, New King James says, it is I. The NLT says, I am here. I remember another time when, when God said, I am. He was speaking to Moses. Well, who am I supposed to tell Pharaoh who's breaking our backs? He's breaking my people's backs and has us in slavery and I'm supposed to go to him? Who am I going to tell him that sent me? I am. I am that I am. Another time Jesus was talking in the midst of his people. Pharisees, sad UCs were there. All of them were there, and uh, he, he, began to, he began to talk to them, and they said, well, I, I'm not sure. Well, who, it's kind of like, well, who do, who do you think you are? I mean, our, our, our father, I mean, Moses, he performed some signs. He gave us manna in the wilderness. Jesus said, no, it wasn't Moses that gave you manna. It was my father that gave you manna. Well, well who do you think you are? I mean, you think you're greater than Father Abraham? Let me tell you something. Before Abraham was, I am. I am. I am. If you're afraid this morning, if you have some stress, some anxiety, you can't find toilet paper, you can't find milk and bread, listen, I want to tell you something this morning. I am is here. Be not afraid. I am here. I am here. He's telling us this morning. I am is here. Be not afraid. It is I. I'm everything you need, including toilet paper. <laughs> I'm all of it. I'm everything that you'll ever need. I'm your sustenance. I'm what you need. I'm your man. I am the bread of life. I am your healer. I'm everything that you need. Be not afraid. I am here. I know you see the storm. I know you see the waves. I know you see everyone acting crazy. But I am here in the midst of it. You know, the three Hebrew boys, young men that were thrown into the fire, he didn't pull them out of the fire and then say, look, I'm here. See how I saved you? No, he's in the fire with them. He's in it with you this morning. He's in it with you this morning. Jesus loves you. He will never forsake you. He's here. He's here. And so I just want to I just want to throw uh, four things at you this morning on how we can overcome uh, this worry, this anxiety and this fear. I mean, if you're here, you might want to just jot these down this morning, the things that you probably already know. But I want, to, I want to remind you this morning of just four simple things, especially us as Christians, that we need to do, especially during this time. 
to overcome. Because worry, anxiety, and fear doesn't do anything for us. It's counterproductive. And I'm not saying we don't need to be wise. You know that. You know we need to be wise. James 4.8 said, uh, you know, the Lord said, come to me. Wash your hands, you sinners. <laughs> That's what it says. Read it. James 4.8. So, yeah. We need to be wise. <laughs> Purify yourselves. Wash your hands, sinners. So, of course, we need to be wise. But we're a people of faith as well. Just because we're wise doesn't mean we abandon our faith. Doesn't mean we abandon our confession. Come on. Doesn't mean that. And so here's what we need to do to overcome worry, anxiety, and fear. Number one, we need to embrace the cross. Embrace the cross. What do I mean by that? I'm just getting right to it. I'm not giving you four, 12-step program to get out of alcoholism. Look, this is Bible we're talking about this morning. We need a Savior. We need Jesus. We need the Word of God. Come on. We need the Word of God now. It's time out for, you know, making you feel good. Look, we need to go right to the Word. And we need to embrace the cross. Galatians 2.20 <laughs> says this. It says, for I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it is I live. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through law, then Christ died in vain. The faith of the Son of God. Can I, can I tell you something this morning? I know what that means. The faith of the Son of God means that, that Jesus gave his faith to you. That you might have his faith. Not just your worldly faith. But you have Bible faith. To everyone it is given a measure of faith. Romans 12 too. You have his faith. I know that. But I want to tell you something. Jesus has faith in you. Jesus has faith in you. He has faith in you. All of those who came to Jesus looking for healing, looking for deliverance, it wasn't just his hand that they were looking for. They had to believe in him. Why would they not go to someone else? This one can do it. This man can do it. I believe in him. Jesus wants you to have faith in him, not just what he can do. And I want to tell you this morning that Jesus has faith in you. Jesus believes in you. That's why he loves you. That's why he covers you. That's why in the midst of all this, he's rejoicing with you in the midst of everything. We've got to embrace the cross and what he died for. You've got to understand that he died for it. If, he didn't, if we don't believe that, then he died in vain. If, we, if we're going around talking about the sky is falling, then he died in vain. If we're running around saying this is the end, he died in vain. It's not the end. The world is not about to end. The church is not about to close up shop. Jesus is still the head. He's still on the throne. He's still on the throne. It's not over. There will be wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. Matthew 24. Come on. We'll know. We'll know when Jesus cracks the sky. Pandemic's not going to crack the sky. Jesus is going to crack the sky. We'll know. We'll know. It's not over yet. So embrace the cross. And then number two, watch this. Exchange your load for his. Exchange your load for his. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29, he said it. I just said it earlier. Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I 
I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. Take your yoke upon me. I remember a man telling a story once about some oxen. He was in Africa, and uh, he was doing a meeting there in Africa, and he <clears throat> was outside, and he was looking across the road, and he saw a farmer uh, who had some animals, and he happened to have some oxen. And what he was doing was he was uh, putting a bit in their mouth, and he would take two oxen, and he would put the same bit in both of their mouths. And, and, and this, this guy asked another man, he said, what, what, what is he doing? Why is he doing it that way? He said, that's called a yoke. It's called a yoke. I'm yoking them together. And what happens is when you're yoked together, when these two oxen are yoked together, what I do is I yoke an older oxen who knows what he's doing, who's done it before, with the younger oxen that I'm training. And when they're yoked together, that older oxen knows what to do. It knows which way to go. And the younger oxen, though it doesn't know which way to go, because it's yoked together, it can only go where the older oxen takes it. Yoked together. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Jesus wants you to be yoked together with him. Who are you yoked with? Are you yoked with the world? Are you yoked with CNN, Fox News, MSNBC? Who are you yoked with? You yoked with all this news that we're hearing? Or are you yoked with the word of God? Come on, somebody. Who are you yoked with? And, and then, does your yoke come off that easy? When it's, when, it's, when it's sunny outside, I'm yoked with Jesus. Whatever Jesus says, that's what I'm going to do. It must be only what you do for Christ will last. I'm doing whatever Jesus said. Pandemic, oh, what are we going to do? Now what's going to happen? I need some bread and some eggs. I'm not going outside. I'm not drinking the water. There's, the virus is in the water. The virus is in the toilet paper. The virus is in the air. The virus is in the grass. The virus is in the trees. I don't know. The virus got in my house somehow. I'm locking myself in the bathroom. It's after me. <laughs> Are you yoked to Jesus or not? Because if you're yoked to him, you're yoked to him on the sunny days. And you're yoked to him when it rains and it storms. You're yoked to him both times. And he's saying, exchange your load. Right, listen, listen, my question for you is, do you need some help? Do you need some help? Do you need help? And you say, help, help with what? Help with that load that's on your shoulders, that burden you're carrying. I mean, you're carrying an awful burden on your shoulders. Jesus is saying, listen, give that to me. Let me take that burden and you take mine. You take my yoke. My yoke is easy. Exchange your load for his. So embrace the cross, exchange your load for his. And number three, th th this is important. This is an important one for many of us. Tell your emotions to stop it. Tell your emotions to stop it. It's not like you shouldn't have, I've said this before, not like you shouldn't have them. God gave us emotions. They serve a purpose. Yes, we do have emotions for a reason. But tell your emotions when they get out of control to stop it. Stop it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, most of you know it. Be anxious for nothing but in everything, everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, let, uh, just, just make some requests of me. He goes on. He goes on. 
and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. How many need their hearts guarded right now? And your minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, be anxious for nothing. In other words, stop being anxious. Some of us need to look into the mirror and say, stop being anxious. Talk to yourself and say, stop being anxious. I control my emotions. They don't control me. I have emotions, yes, but I control them. They don't control me. Tell your emotions to stop it. And then lastly, seek first the kingdom. We know this, don't we? But we know it on sunny days. We, we know it when the wind is calm. Seek the kingdom first. You know, when you got, you, you got $1,000 in the bank and you're saying, what should I do with this $1,000? You just go to the Lord. Lord, you just show me. what Should I go to Disney or should I go to Nashville? You show me, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do. But when you got 11 cents in the bank, a dime and a penny, come on. You're going to the bank. Bank, tell me what I should do. Should I get a loan? Or do I need a fourth job? What do I need to do? That's the time when we should be going to the Lord. Seek the kingdom first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And right before Matthew 6.33, read Matthew chapter 6. I won't read it this morning, but he talks about all of these things. All these things, he lays them all out. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all... You know how I like to say that. All these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom. See, when you do these things, you're allowing yourself to trust God in the midst of the storm. We have to understand, we must understand, folks, that when the storm comes, we can't be passive. We can't sit back as the church, as Christians, and just say, well, there's a storm, there's a pandemic, there's this or there's that, the economy's bad, we're just, we're just gonna have to see what happens. No, don't see what happens. Jesus didn't call you to just see what happens. He didn't call you to see what happens. He called you to pray. He called you to witness. You wanna know why you have the Holy Ghost? Everybody talking about the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, I got the Holy Spirit. You, you think it's so you can speak in tongues. You think it's so you can perform miracles? Of course the Holy Spirit does that, of course. But you know why you have it? Why don't you read Acts chapter two sometime and understand why you have it? He said, I will give you power and you shall be my witnesses. Witness, you have power to be a witness for God. The way you live your life, in your conversation, in your communication, come on. That's how you are a witness for God. Don't be passive. Don't be passive. Preach Jesus. We can't sit back and allow the storm to dictate to us. I mean, I realize there's, there's times when a pep talk won't get the job done. I understand that. I understand a grieving parent doesn't want, just want to hear a pep talk. But what I want to tell you is that Jesus doesn't just give you a pep talk. He's in the storm with you. He's in the fire with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. I know that one talk or one sermon is not going to make everything all right. But I just want to encourage you this morning that whatever you're going through, no matter what it is, financial, whatever sin that so easily besets you, relationship issues, everything, including COVID-19, whatever it is, just understand it isn't the end. In fact, even if you die, it isn't the end. If the truth be told, come on, somebody. 
but the truth be told. But while you're living, while you still have breath in your body, you must fight. You must fight with the word of God, the sword of the spirit. And so we've, we've heard all this stuff. We've heard all, we've heard the news. We've heard our friends. We've said stuff. Come on, if we would be real honest about it. We've heard, we've heard all these things. Let me just give you some scriptures from the word of God, if I can do that for a few moments. Now, now just hang on for a second. We're almost done. But there's a lot in the Bible that speaks to this situation, okay? So just hang on for a second. Let me just minister this to you, just at this last part. First of all, John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. You believe in God, believe also in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You don't let your heart be troubled, he said. Don't, it's up to you. If your heart is troubled, you don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong. He's speaking to you this morning. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Come on. Isaiah 41.10. It's a good one. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Not the bank, not the news. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And it is righteous. It is righteous. Proverbs 2.11. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. We must be wise. Come on, we can't be uh, too spiritual. I mean, we're spiritual people. We're already spiritual enough. You don't need to be more spiritual. You are a spirit. You can't get more spiritual. Anything you do to try to be more spiritual is just uh, fake and fluff. You're already spiritual. Just be spiritual. Be what God called you to be. He gave you his Holy Spirit. You want to know how to be spiritual? It's not about what you wear. It's not about your shoes or your hairdo. You want to know how to be spiritual? Follow the Holy Spirit. Do what he says do. What God said, Jesus said, it. I do only what my father tells me to do. That's how he's spiritual. Be spiritual, but also be wise. Proverbs 4, 5, and 6. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. He's talking about wisdom. And she will preserve you. He's talking about wisdom. Love her and she will keep you. He's talking about wisdom. Wisdom. Seek it. If you don't have, if you don't have it, ask God for it. Come on. He upbraideth not. That's a King James. He, he will not, he'll not beat you up if you ask for wisdom. He won't do it. Psalm 511. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. He's calling us to rejoice. That's what he's calling you to do. Psalm 34, 19. I got a few of them. Just hang on one second. We almost, we'll get there. Just hang on. Psalm 34, 19. Huh. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Come on. Don't act like you're not going to be afflicted. Don't act like you, come on, don't play with it. Don't act like you're not going to be afflicted. The devil's going to bring some stuff against you. But many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them. Here's the word. All, all, every last one of them. Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. He, see, he's the same way. He don't just help us on sunny days. He helps us in trouble. 
in trouble. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know what that's saying? You know what that's saying as a Christian? Bring it. Bring it. What you got? Bring it. Bring it life, bring it enemy, bring it. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on. Isaiah 35, 4. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Some of, our, some of us, our problem is we don't seek the Lord. David said, I sought the Lord. Then he delivered me. Seek him. Psalm 94, 19. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comfort delights my soul. In the multitude of anxieties. Romans 8, 38 and 39. You thought I was done, didn't you? Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any created thing, nor coronavirus, come on, shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from God. Nothing. John 14, 7. 1427, Jesus said this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives you, I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. Psalm 55, 22, I know you're saying, isn't that enough? Look, I didn't even write them all down either. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. He won't do it. He won't permit you to be moved. 